Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Pine. Make It Pine. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Pine. Get Woke. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be a great opportunity for me to talk about one of my favorite subjects on Make It Plain today in the area of sports athletics and particularly uh, college uh, basketball. Uh, and as we focus on HBCUs during this uh, Black History Month uh, we get a two for two. Last week, we had the president of Howard University on. Today, we get to talk to the head coach of the Howard University men's basketball team. And we are so happy to have him, our dear brother, Coach Kenny Blakeney. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing terrific, Mark, and thanks for having me on today. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, uh, to have you. And, and Coach and I were just talking before the broadcast, folks, uh, uh, the the different uh, paths of ours that have uh, intersected him growing up in D.C. I didn't grow up in D.C., but I was born there. And, of course, he knew uh, Coach Thompson uh, and the family, and and we all know the influence he had on all of us and on coaching in general. Well, why don't we start there, Coach? Um, um, your thoughts about Coach Thompson uh, as we continue to mourn his passing and, and really the impact that he had and, and the way that he paid. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's one of my heroes. You know, plain and simple. Uh, I grew up, you know, blocks from where he raised his family up on 16th Street mm-hmm. and uh, started competing against Ronnie Thompson. Uh, and and John was a little bit older than me, but he was uh, the same age as my brother. So when we came up in the Police Boys and Girls Club, uh, you know, playing against Ronnie and then my brother competing against uh, John the third, um, you know, it was it was such a exciting time to I guess compete against them because you know they were such a legacy here in DC and then to potentially have coach Thompson at the game who you know in DC was revered and means so much uh in DC to so many people but also nationally um you know it, it was just a, a neat experience growing up in the same area and community as coach Thompson um you know when I got the job at Howard 
he was uh, kind of the architect of what we're trying to build here. Uh, knowing what he did at Georgetown starting in 1972 with the program that basically had incredible academics, but not really a basketball history mm-hmm. or tradition and seeing what he built from scratch uh, into what became, you know, the best and the most powerful dominant basketball program uh, throughout the eighties. It was incredible. Um, so yeah, you know, trying to study what coach Thompson has, uh, did at Georgetown and, and implementing it at Howard, you know, we have incredible academics. We're one of the top 80 schools in the country. Uh, we have some uh, first class leadership with uh, Dr. Wayne Frederick and Carrie Davis, our athletic director. And uh, we all feel that the brand Howard is worthy and I think ready to take that jump uh, on the athletic side, using basketball as a vehicle to do that. I, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but, uh, you know, Coach Thompson first applied to UDC. Uh, <laughs> did you know that? I uh, did not know that. We talked about that. Uh, uh, really, not. we were going back through that not too long even before he passed. And, you know, we were laughing because I was talking to him about, you know, hey, you know, these guys are going back to the HBCUs. And he was he was happy about that as well. Um, but we laughed if if UDC had hired him instead of Georgetown, who knows where UDC might be. Uh, and, and we may already have been down the road of, um, you know, getting our HBCUs on par. But what he said, and you know how funny he could be. He said years later, UDC asked him to serve on a board because he ended up going to UDC, getting his master's. Um, uh, uh, and they asked him to come back coach and be on a board to, to help with that letter program. And he said, well, if y'all had hired me at the first time (laughs) as the coach, you would have had me wouldn't have to worry about nothing like this. Now I'm leaving out the other words he used. He said, if you all, if you all MFers had hired me the first time to be the GD coach, you wouldn't have, you know, but you know how he was. Bless his heart. But that was still his, his alma mater. And he, he said good things about UDC. But, I mean, he went to Georgetown. And, and you're right. I mean, let me just say this. The challenge that, and we're going to talk about this, that our HBCUs face. Man, Georgetown basketball's challenge was probably even below that. I mean, there was nothing going on in Georgetown basketball, even though it was a Division One school. I mean, there were far more successful HBCU programs. So if a John Thompson can take a nothing and bring it to the level, imagine what he could have done with an HBCU and what we what we still need to do with our HBCUs. No, absolutely. It's a uh, his journey, man, is, uh, you know, well documented and he's a Hall of Fame, you know, coach. But I think his impact is even more significant for what he stood for, uh, his character, um, his fight for black America. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is really uh, being more celebrated now, unfortunately, by his death, by his new uh, book that's out right now. Yeah. Um, you know, more people are finding out, I guess, about the depth of Coach Thompson. Uh, it's kind of uh, interesting being black in America, but I probably a little bit more interesting being 6'10 and chocolately black in America. Um, <laughs> You know, Coach Thompson, 
I, I know how it is with me. I'm six, four and probably 230 pounds and people see me and it's like, you know, there's a fright there, uh, just a big black dude walking down the street. So I can imagine a bigger, darker dude walking down the street, how, how that must, how people felt and, uh, you know, right, wrong or indifferent. Um, I, I think he was unfairly judged because of that. And people did not take, uh, in account his words and what he actually was fighting for or what he was saying, um, you know, and now we, we have a chance to really see that. And, and not just the fright, brother. I'm sure you also get this, too, as as has was the case for our brother Patrick Ewing. You know, when you're a black man of a certain height, um, there's also uh, the thought that you're not as intelligent that all you are is an athlete. Can you actually coach? Do you, you know, do you have the capacity? And so that happens as well. Patrick couldn't, you know, couldn't get a job as a, as a head coach. And I mean, I'm sure that's faced you too. I mean, we get prejudged. Now, full disclosure, I'm not as tall as you brothers, but <laughs> coach and I would, you know, coach and I would talk about that, you know, and, and when Patrick came back, he said, Mark, you know, this, and even in the NBA, you know, they like people who are guard size, people who are six ten, seven feet tall. They just don't think have the, the capacity. But coach proved that to be um, untrue. But brother, listen, what you have done is is really groundbreaking in terms of taking us back to our roots. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Howard University um, recruited one of the top athletes in the country. He could have gone to Kentucky, UCLA, all the other so-called big name schools. Um, and our brother. Uh, McCourt Maker chose to go to an HBCU. And we've been hearing even LeBron James' son is thinking about that. And so that's raised a whole nother level of debate. Jamel Hill's been talking about it. Let's go back uh, to to the old landmark. Let's go back to our HBCUs. But but Howard got put on the map because this was one of the biggest commitments uh, that we've seen in years. Um, how important um, is that? for the top athletes to now begin to choose HBCUs and competition with some of the other big name white schools coach. How important is that to rebuilding and sustaining our HBCU athletic programs? Yeah, it, it is. A, um, you know, I, I like to start with this, Mark, if I can. I think one of the things that I, I want to just put in context is that you know, throughout the history of HBCUs and, and men's basketball, I don't know if it's the same in other sports or women's basketball, but in men's basketball, there's never, ever been a five-star kid attend a Division I uh, basketball program. So the, I, I, I want to kind of temper uh, going forward with, with saying that because it, it's, it is significant. And it's it's so significant that it hasn't happened in, in the history of the Division One basketball, uh, you know, landscape. So I, I, I don't I don't know if there's going to be a lot of five star kids that are going to rush to say they want to go to HBCUs now. Um, there's uh, the landscape of the basketball world is getting smaller, and there are people that understand that they don't have to go to a blue blood or a uh, power five university in order to ultimately reach their goal, which is to play in the NBA. I think for us, uh, specifically at Howard, because what Howard stands for is giving opportunities to students and student athletes that 
probably wouldn't have those same opportunities as uh, students from other ethnicities. That really is something that's powerful. And when when I mean that, I, I talk about, you know, the whole student athlete. Um, we would love to be that program that is, you know, our, our general requirements for Howard as a, as, a, as a basketball player is the conversation starts at a 3-0-1,000. So 3-0 GPA and a 1,000 on your SAT. And, uh, you know, we can't really entertain conversations unless we feel like student athletes can can do that. Our basketball team, since I've been here, has a GPA of a 3.0. So to bring in the right type of young man uh, that can thrive on this campus, but also understand that being on this campus, you can be vice president of the United States. You can be a Supreme Court justice. You can be a doctor that has some incredible breakthrough moments in, in, in what you're doing in your field. You can be Tanashi Coates, one of the most revered authors and, and thought guys in the country. This is what this university produces. And for a young man to come here and limit himself just being an athlete, that's not the person that is the right fit for our program. We want people that are really going, I think, to take a deep dive into the campus life of, of Howard and really take as much as they can from this place to prepare them for the next 40 to 50 years of basketball when they're done. But in saying that, if it's the right kid, if it's the right young man that understands that, like McCore, he has a plan that's bigger than basketball. He has a vision and that's a little bit different than a lot of young men. So in, in saying that, it was the right fit for him. And hopefully there's uh, a, going to be future right fits for other five-star guys as it's coming down the pike. By omission, Coach, too, it sounds like you're also saying that the standards at an HBCU like Howard are essentially about more than just the basketball court, where, let's face it, a lot of Division I white schools, they just want us to run up and down the court. And, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the, the numbers, right, you can take Division I basketball, there's like 60% of participants in Division I basketball are, are African-American or black. When you look at the big... I think picture of those universities, the black population makes out only about 2% of the student population at those schools. So you're talking about a demographic and, and a number that is 60% that you can find to play on your basketball team, but you can only find 2% of your black students that you feel that can have success at your university. And then those black athletes that are participating in, in basketball that is 60%, or I think it's like 52, 54% in football, that are playing these revenue-generated sports are creating a lot of, I think, benefits in terms of money that's coming into the university via TV, sponsorship, bookstore sales, or whatever. And it's that money's going back into a university that is building infrastructures for students that don't reflect the people that actually is making the money for those sports and that university. So it is really important for you know students to maybe not completely understand that at 18, but hear it at 18, <laughs> now, hear it at 17, to know that 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 is the kind of the cyclical cycle that uh, goes on, uh, you know, that people don't talk about with some of these power five universities. No, no, that's very important. And, and also, too, why even Coach Thompson says in his book, I came as a shadow that these athletes should be comp compensated. And that was yeah. something that that he always agreed with. And I, and I presume you feel the same way. I've been feeling this way since I was a college student. Um, not that I was a, a guy that, you know, had a significant role with my, at my time at Duke, uh, but just kind of seeing the, 
Duke University grow and build around the basketball program. Mm-hmm. You know, when I entered Duke, it was a university that was probably a top 10 university in 1991. Being part of the national championship team of 91 and 92, uh, and being part of the Final Four team that lost in the national championship in 94. When I graduated uh, in 1995, Duke had gone from a top 10 university to the number three university in the country. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I, I was going to say, I think the, a big part of that was the success of the basketball program. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and I'm sorry I failed to mention your championships at Duke. That was probably Freudian, me being a Hoya. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad you mentioned. Matter of fact, a lot of respect for Coach K. Coach K uh, came on my show uh, some time ago and was espousing uh, the the virtues of Coach Thompson while, while he was still alive. And he, he said that Coach Thompson uh, had done more for college basketball universally than any other coach in history. He actually, he actually said that. Yeah. And um, uh, so God bless him uh, for that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, some of these schools are known for that. I mean, that's that's what Duke is. I have a theory. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, hypothesis, right, coach? If today the major networks and HBCUs got together and worked out television deals, and they broadcast as many HBCU games as they do these other schools, recruitment and fortunes would change overnight. Am, am, am I am I wrong about yeah, go ahead. Am I no, wrong? No, you're you're spot on. If that was to happen, it would change the fortunes of HBCUs across the country. Across the country, I don't even think it may be even at that point, <laughs> because the experience that a young man or a young woman can have at a school like a Howard, uh, a Morehouse, a Spelman, uh, a North Carolina A and T, North Carolina Central is, uh, you know, being on this campus, man, is magical. To see black and brown people walking around aspiring to change the world and do it in a way that is totally our own, it's magical, man. It's, it is really cool to see. But that's the thing. The kid, you know, wants to be an athlete, maybe wants to go to the NBA. And that's just in basketball. I mean, let's say NFL, everything else. Baseball. My son plays baseball at HBCU as a freshman right now. Um, uh, wish I would head his baseball team back, but, uh, but that's a whole nother thing because that's part of the thing. We HBCU it's expensive to run football, basketball, and baseball. And I don't know if you heard North Carolina central just last week, got rid of his baseball program, which is a big blow to the HBCU baseball scene. But, um, kids want to go where they can be seen. And if you're on television, you get seen, you get scouted all that type of stuff. And it, it just seems to me that would change the fortunes. And you're right. I, I like what you said about it. It might not even be even uh, 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 anymore. I will say this. It, it wouldn't be even because the talent and the performance on an HBCU court or field or whatever is equal to or surpasses what we see at these other power schools. Uh, and, and that is evidence. Y'all know when every time, every time in, in the tournament, in the in March Madness, when HBCU gets in there, school from MEAC or an HBCU plays, and everybody's freaking. Did you see that game? Did you see how the how HBCU plays? Like, what we know that about ourselves. That's no shock to us, is it, Coach? No, it's no shock <laughs> at all. I, at, when I was at Duke, it, it was uh, it was kind of funny because you know, anytime we had a chance to go over and watch North Carolina Central play, we would go watch a play. 
even for us at Duke, we took classes at North Carolina Central. So just having a chance to be a part of that culture and be on an HBCU and look at faces that were like yours was really important to our development, I think, as as students at Duke. Even, you know, we're, we're not that far away from North Carolina Central. So every time we had a chance to be on their campus, we would certainly go over and take in the environment over there. Uh, no, that's that's very, very important. Well, let's talk about Howard's season. You all had to end your season prematurely. Talk to us about that, the adjustment for McCour, also how his recruitment and him coming to Howard has helped other, help you recruit other students. Yeah, well, I think starting with the recruitment of McCour, it came from a relationship with his guardian, Coach Ed Smith, who is a native Washingtonian. Ed is a couple of years older than me, so we never cross paths in terms of school or competition or anything like that. But he was somebody that loved the game or loves the game, somebody that has pursued the knowledge of basketball like a coach, like a like a, a guy that's, you know, all in, vested, two feet in. And uh, it, it's taken him across the globe from Washington, D.C. to Hawaii to Australia. And that's where Ed Coach Smith met up with Don Maker, who is Maker's cousin. And Ed started a program for refugees that were coming in from uh, Kenya and Sudan uh, to give young men an outlet uh, to learn and understand the game of basketball. And in that group, he had a group of talented young young guys that he eventually would bring over to North America to compete against the better talent during the summers. And he saw that it was beneficial. He brought the young men over full time and from Thon, success there and under Mr. Coach Smith's tutelage came McCormaker. And at the time when Thon was here in high school, I was working at Under Armour as a consultant in their sports marketing division for basketball and saw Coach Smith. He and I had met probably in around 2007. We reconnected through the summer circuit and just stayed in contact. So I had that relationship that was already built in. And I think understanding who McCore was and what he was going to look for in a college, I kind of understood that and had those answers just from watching his path, his journey, the way he's had success on teams and, you know, was able to kind of build a marketing deck around that. That was myself and, and our recruiting coordinator, Jake Brown. We built a marketing deck around that. That was probably around 120 to 140 pages and presented that to Coach Smith and McCore. And I think they were just blown away by our thought into what we thought about McCore and how the plan we had to roll out for him if he was to choose Howard University. And so that's kind of the, the you know, how we got in, how we, we st- stayed in. And ultimately, he chose to commit to us and, and become a student athlete at Howard. Since he's been here, it's been kind of interesting because coming from a summer where a lot of our guys weren't able to kind of have an opportunity to work out because of COVID and the protocols that a lot of states and cities had put on either playgrounds, gyms, schools, or any facility, health club, our guys came back. Some were in shape, some weren't in shape. Some moms and dads allowed their kids to go out and run around, and but other families were a little bit more strict. So McCor had a chance to come in in shape, but when he got here, he had a, a little nagging injury that didn't allow him, I think, to really play at a level that he could play at. And 
So from the time he got here until Thanksgiving, he was kind of wanting to move forward, wanting to play. But I just noticed that he did not look like himself. So right after our, our I think our second or third game, our second game, you know, I, I pulled him and uh, just wanted to shut him down to get him healthy. So we had played five games. We won our last game against Hampton, which was a, a great victory. And we were going into conference play on January, I think, second or third. And we were practicing, getting ready to leave to go play Norfolk State. And the trainer came on the court and just said, hey, man, I, I need to talk to you. And I was like, we're practicing right now. Things are, you know, it's like Coach Thompson would never probably want anybody interrupt practice. <laughs> You give me PTSD, brother. Yeah. <laughs> right? Let me, let me try to come back. Okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, we're in this point. We're in practice. I'm like, hey, things are going good. Can can this wait? He goes, no, this can't wait. And I was like, oh, just understanding the world we live in. I was like, I, I okay, do what you got to do, man. And uh, he just was like, everybody get in a giant circle. And he, he put everybody in a giant circle and we had to talk to our young young men that, hey, this is the situation. We have to stop practice. You guys got to immediately go downstairs one by one and get your your gear and head home and quarantine. So at that point in time on January 1, that's how we kind of ended our season at that point in time for a pause. Guys started to come back and I guess test out of the protocol with symptoms and, you know, the appropriate COVID tests. And on, I think, January 16th, all the way up to probably like January 26th. And with that, Mark, I just found that I did not think our guys were fully healed. I did not think they were healthy. And with conversations with our medical staff, Mr. Kerry Davis, our athletic director, and Dr. Dr. Frederick, we all got on the same page, along with Dr. Lisa Daniels, who's our sports psychologist, we got on the same page and just thought that this wasn't the best best way for our student athletes in their in their health to just kind of shut it down right now. Which also speaks to the H the unique HBCU experience. You as a black coach looking out for our black children. Cause we know that, you know, and maybe it's gotten better. I don't know. You would know better than me. But we know that historically when we look at power five schools, you know, over the, the decades, we had to play hurt. Well no protecting nobody's future or career hello so hell you live in dc before that football team changed his name i mean it <laughs> ruined killed rg3 i mean you know you that's what we had to do black athletes have always had to play hurt so again that that isn't to me an example of folks that are concerned about the well-being of the whole person and frankly their longevity longevity because you push somebody yeah. you know and even what you said about mccourt because uh, I know the pressure was on uh, and still there. You know, I won't put any pressure on you, but I mean, I want Howard to win the national championship and vanquish all of the foolishness about what HBC. But I mean, whether that happens or not, your first interest is taking care of those young people who, contrary to what we think, y'all remember, you know, I'm I'm old enough to say it now. These are children. We see these athletes sometimes, Coach. I think black people see them as grown-up men and adults. But now I'm 54. I look about eight. My son's 18. That's He's a child. Yeah. And and we entrust these children to the care of people. We better make sure we entrust them to folk in some of our own institutions who know what they need to be made whole. Yeah. I mean, when, when we're going through this, you know, from January 1 on and daily, I'm checking in on our team. And at the time, we had numbers that 
because of the the HIPAA laws and in the student protection privacy rules, I, I can't get into, but the numbers were significant. And, you know, literally I, I have to call every young man that's on our team and every young man's mom or dad or both daily to kind of give them updates on their kid. And even though they're talking to their kid, what you had said is so, so right. They entrusted myself as the head coach and Howard University to take care of their baby. And so every day I'm, I'm literally on FaceTime calls or calls with the student athlete, their, their parents, their grandmother, their, their guardian or whoever it may be, making sure that they have the right information and that they feel comfortable with their child being in our custody at this point in time. So for me, as, as a coach, I, I see myself, I am a parent, but I also see myself as being an educator and a teacher. And that's really important. And I think the guidance of leadership in terms of our program. So it was important for me to be able to do that. And I think it really showed, it showed me the, the relationship of a nurturing parent and their kid and what that parent is really trying to get for their kid in terms of their, their experience here, but also the, the quality of life that they want to have for their kid. Right. As Coach Thompson would say, beyond the air in the basketball. And, and we know he was able to recruit because people saw him as a father figure. The parents wanted their children to be with someone, wanted us to be with someone who would care about us as a father figure and, and not play around and be very disciplined um, about it as, 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 as well. So there's this season. How, how is that affecting? I mean, obviously you're still recruiting for next season. What are, you, what are your prospects? I mean, hopefully we'll be out of this thing by next fall. I pray. I don't know, man. But, you know, hopefully we will be. Who knows? But if things get back to normal or as close to normal as possible back in this coming October 15th, how are things looking? How is development going? How, how, what's your confidence level that you'll be able to keep this core together and continue to develop this outstanding five-star, six-foot-eleven young man? Yeah, well, I think for McCoy, it's going to come to the point where he's going to have to make a decision. And I know right now he's focused on school. He's focused on his academics and he's uh, he's a Howard student. So he's enjoying the experience of being, even though classes are remote, having a chance to be in the classroom with Howard students, uh, his brothers on the basketball court and spending time there with them. So that's his focus right now. He has looked at the NBA in the past. And I do think it's something that he will probably take a look at this year. But he's also understanding that the education part is really important. And I know he wants to see that through. So I, I think he'll take a look at that. But at some point in time, as we're moving forward, I'm really happy with, I think, what we have returning. We have a very young team of freshmen and sophomores. And because we were only able to play five games this year, those guys will still remain freshmen and sophomores. So the building blocks are in place. Even though we didn't get the game experience this year, I think we had a chance to really experience some adversity. And from that adversity, there's some resilience that has been built. So I'm excited. We have nine or 10 young men from the, uh, the DMV, the District Maryland and Virginia on our team. That's kind of the blueprint with Coach Thompson. He got a lot of D.C. guys because he knew the landscapes. He knew their their boys club coaches. He knew their their high school coaches and knew what they were made of. And that's something that, that we've been able to do. So I'm excited about getting started whenever we can get started again and uh, look forward to having a chance to compete and play games in the future. That's outstanding. But, but you got this ball rolling, really. I mean, there was a lot of conversation about athletes returning to HBCUs, but it was the Howard program that, that really 
it really happened, not just speculation. And there's still some speculation out there. We got the brother um, who's going to uh, uh, the Grambling, Noah Baden, uh, and that's another good sign. And there, there are other people that are talking about it. But you kind of, you know, set that bar and, and hopefully that will remain. It, it would seem to me, too, Coach, that in this moment of racial reckoning in this country and Black Lives Matter, even what we've seen the NBA players do, to, to me, it's 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 all the things you said. It's the HBCU experience. It is the surrogate parental guidance that you get from coaches at an HBCU. But man, it, at this hour, and, and I've said this even for non-athletes, a lot of us who, who have a certain age, black middle class or whatever, you know, we send our kids to all these other schools. But I think that this upcoming generation, these 18 year olds today, we need to start sending our kids back to HBCUs for that foundation of our culture, especially in a moment when we've just gotten rid of a man in the White House who has literally brought the Confederacy and racism back. You know what I'm saying? And so I think to me, that's part of the pitch, too. You know, we got to go back home. Our parents, many of our parents, you and I are close to the same age. So many of our parents did HBCUs and then we did. I'm saying these folk come back. We need to go back, take them to where the grandparents went. Like Howard, <laughs> and they, my mother went to Howard. I was born literally on the campus when she was a senior. Oh, wow! So wow. I mean, I'm not just, I, you know, I went back to get my master's. Um, so I'm a graduate, but I mean, I'm literally was birth was given to me on Howard's campus. So, so I'm saying, and that's what I said to my son. You know, we we got to, you know, the white schools are great, been there, done that. But I think for these athletes and non-athletes, this is a critical moment for our foundation, for our history, for us being prepared for these brand new racist challenges we face. And I frankly, you know, I mean, I think if I were you and you may already, I mean, that's a pitch I'd even make to an athlete. So look here, y'all, this, this ain't no, look at what's going on in the NBA. So you, this next generation, even of NBA, you want to come to how you want to play in the NBA fine, but have the tools that you need that you can only get in HBCU. Does that make any sense? It makes complete sense. I mean, you know, look, we, we've experienced over the last 12 months some of the most uh, in-your-face racism <laughs> that you could possibly face, starting with the death of, of George Floyd. And I'm not going to even get into, you know, 45 and, and that mess. <laughs> but just the stuff that we've seen, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, you can go down the list that you see it with your own eyes. And I think that has made an impact on this generation. This generation of athletes has has had a chance to affect change in, in a way that I don't think other generations have by using their voice through social media to elect Joe Biden, uh, our 46th president, to change the, the course of history in the Atlanta, in the Georgia elections. So this this level, this athlete's engaged. And, and I, I, I say a, a big part of that goes back to obviously Coach Thompson, Coach Cheney, their fights for equality with the SAT, ACT, things that they stood up for with Prop 48, leading to some of the stuff that we, we, we to the place where we are now, where this generation's goat is LeBron James. And seeing LeBron out in the front lines fighting for, for social justice, building schools for kids, donating his, his time and expertise to different causes that are there to affect the quality of, of people in terms of black and brown people. So he's been doing that on that stage for 17, 18 years. 
And I think this generation has seen that. They've seen the Colin Kaepernick give up his career. They've seen Malcolm, the young man that, that plays with the New Orleans Saints, really st- stand and fight for, for social justice. In my generation, it was, I, I need to sell shoes, so I'm not going to speak out of term here, to paraphrase things. And it was more trying to be politically correct than being politically right. And I think this generation of athletes, because we have a platform of social media where you can you can have a voice. And, you know, in our in our program, I, I want that. I, I think that is important. I think it's important for our players and student athletes to understand their social and their civic responsibility. Um, and so I allow them to be creative and, and to, to use their platforms for those things. And uh, it, it's been great because I think it's it's given our, our players a confidence, not only in, in society, but also on the basketball court where they understand their voice matters. Very important coach. And, and you definitely are a, a very welcome and qualified representative of HBCU athletics and why we need to go back home, folks, and encourage young people to go back home and not be afraid to do so. Any other five stars in the pipeline you hollering at right now? We're kind of finished our, rec- our recruiting class for the class of 21. We are looking at the class of 22. And in that class, there are some guys that have a bunch of stars by their names. So it has to be the right fit. And I think on, that's on both sides. But uh, we, we're in there. and We're having great conversations and dialogue. So fingers crossed. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you know trying to, trying to inch closer to that goal line with these guys. Folks, IHBCUs uh, still make all the difference when it comes to opportunities for African-Americans in the workplace, professionally. Otherwise, uh, most still come from HBCUs and some of the upper echelons of society and success. And that is the same with athletes, whether they go on to professional careers or not. As you can see, Coach Kenny Blakeney is an example. Uh, being at Howard of the kind of impact working at being at and helping young people at an HBCU, the kind of impact that can have. And we're thankful to him. Coach, we we congratulate you, brother. We we wish you all the best. Uh, you holding up the bloodstained banner for us all. Again, I don't mean putting pressure on you, but, you know, you've already won. Uh, you really you really have. I mean, what what you did and, and the example that you and, and McCoy's family and guardians set um, really set a precedent. Uh, and, so, and one that hopefully uh, our institutions can still follow up on, and especially now um, uh, at this uh, time. And I'm saying that as, as eloquently I can. I could say it like Coach Thompson would say it, but I'm not going to do it. He probably, you know, he put it in a little more color. <laughs> <laughs> no I, doubt. I won't tell you who it is, but there was one recruit. We were sitting in a room, and the recruit said, uh, man, uh, I'm going to go to Syracuse. They're going to give me more stuff. Coach looked at him. He said, he said, go ahead. Go on up there to Syracuse. He said, but I promise you, every time you play Georgetown, we are going to kick your ass. And the table just started shaking. <laughs> you know, I was scared. I'm sitting there like, whoa, what, what's happening? Every time, every time. We're going to kick your ass. And, you know, that was how he, he did it. And Lord knows... Um, his impact on all. And I know for a fact that student and many others are thankful that they had a John Thompson learn under. And I know there are many who are thankful they have a Kenny Blakeney uh, to learn under. So, Coach, God bless you, man. And, and thank you for joining us here today on Make It Plain. All right. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. This was awesome. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. 
Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.